We're looking at Mark's Gospel, and as Sam pointed out last week, we haven't got very far yet, and we're not going much further in uh, today. We're still in chapter one. We will start speeding up and going through in larger steps fairly soon. So I want to start by reading from Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, and they were, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching of authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Last week we started with John saying that the uh, Lord's anointed, the Messiah, was coming. He's now been arrested and Jesus is teaching. But the interesting thing is, we find that Jesus, as he teaches, teaches it in language which the people understand. So when he calls Simon and Andrew who are fishermen, he uses a fishing analogy. He says, leave what you're doing, stop, in a sense, stop fishing for fish, I'm going to make you into fishers for men. Now, in Mark's Gospel, this sounds as if it's something which is very immediate and almost there's no prelude to it, nothing beforehand. In John's Gospel, unsurprisingly, because John appears in the story, there's more detail. And I don't think we can assume that Simon and Andrew, James and John, know nothing about Jesus before this event. Because we've been told that Jesus is proclaiming the Gospel of God. Now, if somebody asked you, what is the Gospel? What would be the three main things you would immediately think you need to tell people about? 
Because I very much doubt if they're what Jesus was preaching about, to be honest. Well, certainly they weren't when I thought about it. Because what does he uh, preach, proclaiming the gospel? The time is fulfilled. The time's come. Okay? So it's the time. What's it the time for? The kingdom of God is at hand. So, the time is now. The time is the time for the kingdom of God. And what have you got to do to be ready? Repent and believe in the gospel. Which gets a bit circular here. Okay, so, the main thing he is speaking is saying God's kingdom is here or coming. And I think that's something which we need to bear in mind. Is the first thing we would tell people is God's kingdom is here and now is the time to respond. I know I tend to go into much more convoluted detail than that. Also, I think I would have it, we would often have a tendency to talk about hell and escaping hell which Jesus doesn't talk about here at all. Not that Jesus didn't talk about hell. In fact, most of what we know about hell comes from Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. So the idea that hell and brimstone, if you like, is Old Testament and Jesus' is loving kindness is nonsense. I'm not saying that Jesus being loving kindness is nonsense, the contrast is nonsense. Because most of what we know about hell comes from Jesus' teaching. But that, when he's talking about hell, he's talking about people, to people who, if you like, are sitting comfortably in church and not taking the news of the gospel seriously. It's a warning to those who think, hell is a warning to those who think that they're okay and God's happy with them. But when he's speaking out to the people outside, he's talking, the kingdom is coming. So, come into God's kingdom. Be fishers of men. But also, what they notice about Jesus is not like other teachers. So that's probably why Simon and Andrew, James and John, go and follow Jesus. Following him isn't the same as following a religious teacher. He has authority in himself. His authority doesn't come from academic qualifications. It doesn't come, in a sense, from what it te he teaches directly. His authority comes from who he is. We know from elsewhere in the New Testament that there were other people driving out evil spirits. But they used other authorities to do it. Jesus does it because of who he is. Moving over, we then find in chapter 2, Levi, sometimes called Matthew, gets called in chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. And he went out again beside the lake, and all the crowd were coming to him, and he was teaching them. 
And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Obviously, following Jesus is better than getting abuse for collecting taxes. Uh, Interestingly, these five are the only ones we're told about Jesus calling them to follow him. Now, the thing is, in the Gospels, in the Bible, we don't have a complete history of everything which happened. The authors are editing what they are reporting to give us a narrative. And so, therefore, they stick closely to the things which are important to the narrative. So, we know for these five that Jesus came to them and said, follow. But we don't know about the other seven. Although, in, I think it's John's Gospel, we know a little bit about one or two of them, but they don't seem to have this sharp distinction. Which reminds us that God calls people, Jesus calls people in different ways. Just because somebody has a very spectacular way they get called doesn't mean that's what happens to everyone some it's like that some it's quite different (coughs) so what I want to go on to now is chapter 3 and verse 13 where we hear about these other people who Jesus calls and we're told here that he went up on the mountain This is chapter 3 and verse 13. And called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also called apostles. So they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve. Now, as I read through the list, think, do I know anything else about this person from scripture? If you don't know the scriptures, it doesn't matter, just listen. He pointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Barnages, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Right, those of you who know me know that I'm quite fascinated by names. So getting a list of names like this, I thought I'd do a little bit of research. But before we get to that, I think we need to do a bit of research about names in here. So, uh, Sam, can you give me a hand, just get this off. Well, I'm going to need about three or four helpers. So... Have we got three or four helpers? Okay, one, two, yeah, come along. Are you coming? Okay, now I need three fisher people and one fish seller. Uh, I'm the fish seller. You're the fish seller, okay. Now, this is for everybody else out there. Only accept a fish from my fish seller if you're willing to talk about your name. If, you don't, if you're not willing to talk about your name, don't accept a fish. 
Okay. And one you'd like to be a fisher to. Right, okay, I think we can squeeze four in. Right, so, would you like to take those yes. and start giving them out? Right, you four, what I want you to do is start fishing. Fishing rod and a fishing rod. And when you get the fish, pass them over to me. Oops, where's my fish seller? I managed to not quite give you all of them. Right. When you fight catch a fish, put it against the numbers here. Okay? And we'll see which fish we catch. Two. Right. Bring them over. Put them against the numbers until I tell you to stop. Right. So that's a number three. You've got about... How many have you got here? Oh, we've got lots here. Is that a six or a nine? That's a six. Right. Seven. We've got another one. We've got a two. We've got another nine. Another seven. Right, any more? Right, keep, keep on coming. Right, stop. We've got enough now. We've not got any fours. We haven't got any fours, no. We can, time's up. The time for fishing has finished. Thank you very much. We don't, no, we don't need these now. We've got enough. Thank you very much for your help. Right, where's my fish seller? Have all the fish gone yet? Right, is anyone else willing to take a fish? Have we had any fish out on this side? Yes? Eva. Eva, how many more have we got to give out? Three. Three, right, can I have three volunteers? Right, let's see. Right, well, if we take my fisher people, the one which they managed to get most of is number one. So who's got the number one fish? Over there, Caroline, right, okay. Do you want the microphone or are you willing to shout out? Right, okay. Could you, right, let's start first bit. What is your name? Carol. Okay. What did your mother call you? Carol. Right. When you were at school, did anybody have any nicknames for you? No. <laughs> you see? The best laid plans always fall apart, don't they? Pardon? Oh, right. What's your nickname at home? Right, Casbo. Right, okay. Okay, thank you very much, all my helpers. You can put, that, put those down now. Thank you. Right. The thing is, our names can be different, or they could all be the same. You know, if you're like me, uh, I no, I think everybody knows me as Mike. The only person who really called me Michael after I was about 12 or so was my mother. And my father. It tends to be my mother more than my father. Right? Or people who are phoning me up, got my name off a list and are trying to be personal and call me Michael. 
not realising that they're immediately showing they don't know who I am. But we tend now to have a very fixed name. Although I can still remember the time when it was perfectly legal to open up a bank account in any name you wanted as long as you weren't trying to defraud somebody. You know, so if you wanted to open a bank account in the name of Mickey Mouse, there was nothing to stop you doing so. Unless, of course, you had stolen a cheque made out to Mickey Mouse and you're just opening the account to cash that cheque. You know, that wouldn't be allowed. These days, you try opening a bank account and how much you've got, you've really got to prove you are who you claim you are. You know, it's quite different. Names are very fixed. So when we look at these names, some of the names are, don't appear in other lists. But when I was looking at the names, there's four of these names which you don't know much else about. So, James, son of Alpheus. Who is he? Apart from he's the son of Alpheus. That's all we're ever told about him anywhere in the Bible. Also, Simon the Zealot. We don't hear about anywhere else, apart from in lists of the apostles. You know, there's some dis debate as to how that should be translated. I think the authorised version translated it as Simon the Canaanite, because the word Cana means zealous. So some people think, yeah, he was a zealot, which was a group of sort of uh, Jewish urban terrorists who uh, had the tendency to stick knives in the backs of Roman soldiers when they weren't looking. And so some people think that's what he was. Or it might just mean he was Simon the Keeney. Who knows? Then there's two others who we hear possibly a little about. Bartholomew doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible by that name, but in John's Gospel, he's probably the same person who's called Nathaniel. As I say, you know, different people known by different names. But the only thing we really know about Nathaniel is that he has a walk-on part when Jesus is starting to call his disciples and says, what good comes from Nazareth? Which is not exactly a... Uh, high recommendation for being a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Apart from the fact he had the uh, common good sense to change his mind. And then the other one we uh, don't really hear about as well is Thaddeus, which is probably a nickname because it means big-hearted. But again, looking in Luke, they had somebody called Judas, son of James. So he's the second Judas, probably. Thank you. And we probably know he's probably the person who wrote the epistle of Jude. Because Jude, Jude is just a variant of Judas. So you've got four of these apostles who we know next to nothing about. Now... Are you a follower of Jesus who thinks you're pretty unimportant and always get missed out? If so, 
that happened with these four. You know, you get all this stuff in the Gospels about Peter and Andrew and James and John, those four in particular, a bit about some of the others, and nobody bothers to write about you and what you did. As I say, it doesn't mean that they weren't important. Jesus didn't just have them as uh, extras to make up a number of 12 because you need 12 apostles because there were 12 tribes of, uh, of Israel. They weren't just there to make up the numbers even though we know next to nothing about them. And it's the same with you it's the same with each of us. You might think the bit you do isn't that important. You might think the bit you do means that you get neglected. Because you haven't got anything particularly exciting about how you became a Christian. You just, in a sense, plod isn't necessarily the right word, but you go on faithfully doing what you do day by day. But the important thing is that Jesus knows each of us by name. And whether you think what you do gets recognised by the elders or by other people in the church, what you do is recognised by Jesus. Having said that, as elders, we really appreciate all that people do. But it's easy to see that sometimes, you know, that when we give thanks to in, from the front that thanks seems to go to other people and not to you and that, you know, not intentionally that can happen but the important thing is Jesus knows all of us whether, whatever, however public what we do is however it seems to be in the background but the important thing is he calls all of us to follow him and if we're trusting in him, giving up everything, potentially everything else, to follow him. <laughs>